we are one body and uh, one spirit, and the spirit that's here is also there in your home or your place of work, wherever you might be taking in this message. And we trust that the teacher, the uh, Holy Spirit, will have his way and his will uh, there as he will here. So um, let's invite him to do so. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and and we give you thanks um, for this uh, food, this word that you have prepared for us tonight. It comes from your word. It is true. And Father, we pray that we would hear uh, your voice because what you say is true and your word never returns void, but it accomplishes what you sent it to do. Father, we are children and we look to you for teaching us, for nurturing us, for chastening us, and for maturing us, that we would become more like Jesus. Tonight, tomorrow, and every day as we anticipate his return for his glorious bride. Now, Father, we, 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 we pause and we wait on you for a moment and in in quiet adoration, lifting up our hearts, our minds, our souls into your very presence, shaking off the the busyness of the season, the stresses and strains of work, the onslaught of things that try to come against us. All those things we put aside. And we free our hearts, we free our, our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to understand what you want to say tonight. To each and every one of us, you may have a unique message, and we trust that you will bring that to us, and we are open to receive it. For that's why we're here, to learn of you. And Father, I've been made aware that there's a number of our brothers and sisters who have been attacked physically and we lift them up to you. And we thank you, Lord, and at our agreement together with them for one one hurts in your body, we all hurt. And so we pray for their speedy healing and their quick recovery. And we come against any weapon that's been formed against them because we have the authority to do so in Jesus' name. We thank you that your spirit is with them and your hand is upon them and your eyes are over, always watching over them as you bring them through this recovery as you know best. Thank you, Lord, for filling us and leading us tonight. It's your word, it's your people, it's your house, it's your will that will be done tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Sometimes it's good just to pause, to rest. Uh, we go, go, go. And that go, go, go can be a big distraction, distraction, distraction. <laughs> anyway, tonight we're going to uh, finish our series on Raised with Christ. This is actually part four. Uh, and we could probably go part five and six, but we will not. We will finish tonight. Uh, there's an amazing amount of uh, food to chew on in this series, and uh, I'm excited to share what the Lord has put on my heart to share with you and to look forward to how we respond to it uh, going forward. But uh, we taught on this topic uh, just two weeks ago, and uh, I'm sure everything that I spoke of is top of mind to you. Uh, no, sorry, a little sarcasm there. I'm sure you don't remember what we talked about two weeks ago. So I will have a little bit of refresher review uh, and then carry us into, into our, our concluding remarks. Um, so those of you who are on top of things and remember distinctly those messages, uh, good for you. This will be also an encouragement. But, uh, but if you're like me uh, two weeks later, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I went over that. That was awesome last two weeks ago, but I hadn't thought much about it since then. Um, so, uh, so good to be refilled uh, uh, again. But our key scripture is from Colossians uh, chapter 3. We'll read the first four verses. Uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. says, If then you were raised with Christ, 
Paul writing to the church, of course, in Colossae. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not, not on the things of the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also shall appear with him in glory. So, so we've been honing in on two main phrases here that, that really caused me to think, well, what does this mean? Uh, in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, we were raised with Christ. Now, we always think, well, we've been born again, that's great, and when he comes back for us, we'll be raised. And that is true. Uh, that will happen. But here he says to the church, you, you have already been raised with Christ, um, and, and that you died. And, of course, we know we're going to die when we reach a certain age and we get called, called away. Um, but, but we're still on the earth living. But, he, but here to the church, he says, you died. And so we, we want to try to unwrap that and unravel that and really get a handle on that. And so two weeks ago, we, we started with the beginning of the creation of man, uh, how God made us. And, and then we spoke of the first death uh, of man, the separation from God and how he was restricted from the tree of life. And then we highlighted the second death of man, which we know is the ultimate judgment, the lake of fire, which was really prepared for the devil and his angels and not for mankind. Uh, so that's the second death. Uh, tonight we're going to go back into that a little bit and then bring it full circle to where we are today. And when, when Paul writes to the church today and says, you died uh, and, and, and you are or were raised with Christ, what, what part of us is he talking about? So we'll try to bring that to bear so that we know how to walk in it and how to walk it out. Uh, because if you're going to study your Bible, it's no good just to have the head knowledge. You need to be able to carry it out. You need to be able to, to walk it out, right, uh, so that you can look like Jesus. So, so this is really our goal is that we learn, learn together uh, how to walk this out. So, so let's start with uh, the, the aspect of how God created us. And again, I won't go into the same detail as two weeks ago, but to refresh you and bring you up to speed, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize or cliff note or give you the, the meat of what we learned two weeks ago because there are some things in there that really came out to me that were really powerful, things that I hadn't necessarily meditated on before. And so it's good to refresh and repeat and kind of hit those home again. So we'll start with Genesis chapter 1 and verses 26 and 27. Uh, and this is a, a scripture that we've, we, all, all of us who, who, who talk at Faith Christian Center preaching and teaching, this is one we, we lean on a lot because there's so much meat just right here in how God made us. Uh, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So clearly when God said, let's make man, uh, he, he intended to make us in his image and his likeness. And so he did. According to his likeness, he made us. And he, in the same phraseology of creating man, he gave us authority. So that authority we have to walk in is part and parcel of our creation and part and parcel of our image and likeness uh, of God. So it's an important aspect, one that we'll teach on more when we do authority class uh, next, next, next quarter. But uh, tonight we're going to focus on the image and likeness. Uh, essentially, it's a, we were made as children of God, right? We were created to be like his children. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a powerful statement, that when God made man, we were to be like his children. We were to look like our creator. So when any other creature encountered Adam and encountered Eve uh, in, in, in the garden, uh, they, they saw them as spirit beings, they, 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 they saw them as not, not after the flesh, but they recognized that God was in them. They could see the spiritual aspect of Adam and Eve, even as they walked on the earth. And, and so they were spirit beings with a soul, and they happened to live or abide or tabernacle in the body that God had created for them to live in while on the earth. So they were spirit beings, and all of creation recognized them after the spirit, not after the flesh. It's an important aspect. It's something that we don't often think about because we think about God made Adam and Eve and put the mud together and all were focused immediately on the body. But no, he made them as spirit beings uh, with a soul to live in this body that, that, that he made for them. So, so not only did all the creation see Adam and Eve as spirit beings, but Adam and Eve also saw themselves as spirit beings. 
So they had that concept, they had that consciousness, that awareness that they were spirit beings. Of course, they, they knew they had a flesh. You know, in fact, when uh, Eve was pulled out of Adam, what, what did he say? Wow, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And uh, God put them together and they became one flesh, right? Uh, and they were naked and, and not ashamed. So they were aware of their physical body that God had given them to walk on the earth. But they recognized that wasn't their source of authority, they recognized that was simply a container of their spirit and soul while they carried out God's purpose on the earth, which was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So they had a role to play as spirit beings on the earth, and they had to do it in a body. But they knew themselves that they were spirit beings. This was their, this was their consciousness, their awareness that they were uh, spirit beings like God. I mean, they were children of God, right? And so, so it's important that they they, that you recognize how God created them. And, and so, so let, in fact, um, not only were they, their bodies were containers of their spirit and their soul, much like when, when Jesus was on the earth. If we look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, uh, the Bible says, For in him, that's in Christ, dwells the, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all, of all, over all principality and power. So, so, and we talked about this in one of the earlier messages. The idea here is that Jesus' body was born of Mary so that Jesus could abide in it to carry out the purposes of God on the earth. But the fullness of God dwelled in that body. The spirit of God, the Father and the Son, the the Godhead all lived within the flesh that was born of Mary. Just like we, or Adam and Eve, and of course us and their offspring, our bodies are here to carry out the purpose, but we are spirit beings filled with the spirit that God made us to be. I'm beating on this, and you'll see why in a minute. It's really important that we get in our mindset who we are and who God made us to be. As children of God, he's a spirit. We're spirit. And we need to meditate on that because most of our day is thought about our bodies, right? So, so we, we're spirit beings and we have a soul. We live in a body uh, as Christ did. And he always walked in the spirit, didn't he? he? When he walked on the earth, was he ever led by the, the desires of his flesh? Or, or, or was, he, was, he, was his compassion, was his soulish desires, were they... Uh, taking over the things that God had told him to do, or were they subservient to the things God had told him to do in the spirit? Right? He always did what the Father told him to do, even if his desire of his soul was to do something else. I mean, I think about a good example. When, when he heard about his, one of his closest buddies, Lazarus, was sick unto death, I'm sure that in his soul, and he had concern for Mary and Martha, he wanted to get over there and, and, and heal him. But I'm sure the Lord, the Father, said, No, the, the, you wait. You wait here, and I'll tell you what to do. And so he waited, knowing that there would be grief and anguish, and, and he'd be accused of not hopping on it right away. You know, a lot of things would come to pass, but he waited because the father said, wait, so that he could then raise Lazarus from the dead and demonstrate the glory of God. So, so these are areas where I'm sure his soul uh, desired things that the father said no. And obviously his flesh, because he was tempted in all ways as we are, yet he did not sin. So his flesh desired things that were contrary to the spirit. He always did what the spirit told him to do. He was a spirit being in the body. Okay, now how were we made? Uh, so, so first of all, recognize that we were made with an everlasting component. We talked about this last week too. God abides forever, right? And our spirit and soul will abide forever as well. If we look at the components that we were made with, Genesis 2.7 and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. So our body was formed from things of the earth. The earth has a beginning and it has an end, right? So our body was made of that which has a beginning and an end. But, but the breathing of the life from the Father who has no beginning and no end came into us to give us life. That is our everlasting part, the spirit and the soul. So we have... Uh, an everlasting component. So not only are we spirit beings, that spirit being will live forever. Forever. All, all, all mankind, you know, us Christians and, and those who are not yet Christians are going to live forever. Uh, our bodies will not, but our spirits and souls will. And, and, and 
And another interesting fact is that uh, when God made us, he filled us with the light of the world. I'll show you this in, in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, in the first four verses. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Adam and Eve, when God made them, and he breathed his, his spirit into them, Jesus was part of that creation, the Word, because all things were made through him. And the light of the Word, the light of the world, was the life of man. So that life that God breathed into him was the light who is Christ. You following me? Is that making sense? So we have this component in here, this everlasting component of the, of the light of the glory of God, who is Christ, breathed breathe into us. And, 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 of course, that helps us make, make us in the image and likeness of God, right? And not only did it come into Adam and Eve, but look at John chapter 1 and verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man, every man coming into the world. So that light is, is part and parcel of us being living creatures who God made us to be. And he gives light to every man coming in. So, so we're filled with the word, we're filled with the light. So I, I want to get you to see this picture of this created being, Adam and Eve, and to really appreciate who they are uh, and how God intended them to be, of course, we're their offspring, right? So, so this is how he would want us to be as well. Um, so in summary, what we talked about, and this is still review, uh, by nature, um, we are children, or Adam and Eve, rather. Let's talk about Adam and Eve. They were children of their creator, children of God, their creator, spirit beings with a soul living in bodies as God had given them to live in. They were filled with the life of Christ, the full light from the true light, who is Christ. They were set apart, sanctified, holy, and different from all other created beings, including the angels. They were set apart, holy, and different from, because they were children of God, filled with Christ, filled with the Spirit of God. And um, they had dominion and authority over the earth and all that moved upon it. And yet they were always subject to the Creator, their Father, and ready to obey and please Him. What an amazing creation that He made. You know, again, still a creation. Remember who we were, or who Adam and Eve is as a creation, um, subject to the Creator. We, we don't ever want to think of ourselves as gods, um, but we do want to think of ourselves as children thereof. Is that settling in? I feel like we can't get enough of that image, and I don't think I've really articulated it enough, but, but try to really think about the glory of Adam and Eve and who they were as they, as they walked upon the earth and, and, and how the water waters just watered the, 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 the fruit trees for them and the animals played nicely together and, and were subject to the things they wished and wanted to do and how they walked with God always and, and they were never separated from, from the creator of everything. This is, a, this is man. This, this is man. It's, it's glorious. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's without sin. It's without any darkness. It's joyful. It's peaceful. It's a remarkable creation that God made. And when he looked at it, he said it was good. And when he was finished with creation, he said, very good. And you know that's a high standard for the Father. Of course, he made it, so he was proud of it anyway, <laughs> to say it was good, right? So then last uh, time we were together, we said, all right, well, what happened? Um, how, how did this change? Right? This is mind-boggling in some respects, and yet when you think about how we live today, it's as, it's as obvious as can be. So, so let's talk about this. In Genesis chapter 2, we're going to review again the first death of man. Um, in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 16 and 17, uh, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. 
And you remember we touched on last time this word surely and this word die are actually the same Hebrew word die, die. So you will die, die is the consequence of eating of the tree. Uh, and so we talked about how in, one, in the natural sense, that's a common expression to emphasize the fact that you'll die. And we saw that in some of the other laws that were laid out in Deuteronomy where if you commit murder, you will surely die. It's the same thing, die, die. But we also said there's a spiritual element, which we know there's a, 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 there are two aspects of dying uh, as a result of eating of this tree. Right? So that's the consequence Adam and Eve knew that when the devil approached Eve, she responded in kind with, yes, God told us we we can't eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Uh, Let's look at this, uh, Genesis chapter 3, the temptation, verses 4 and 5. And the Spirit said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We know well that deception always comes with a, a challenge of with the Word of God, right? So, and whenever you see deception approaching, uh, oftentimes it's contrary to or challenging your understanding or the intent or did God really mean, right? Uh, and so he brought this to Eve and she was, she was deceived by this. And, uh, but he blatantly lied. He said, you, you will not die, die, surely die, um, which God said you would. He said, no, you will not. But then, but then the next part was, was, was accurate. He said, your eyes will be opened if you eat of this fruit, and, and you'll, you will no, have the knowledge of good and evil, uh, which also took place, right? And so, so he, he promised some things that looked like this would be, you know, evolutionarily positive. They'd get more insight. They'd get more sight and more wisdom. And so Adam was with her, and uh, he heard, heard this offer. But what he didn't tell them by blatantly admitting the most crucial point is that unlike God, they would also experience evil. Not just know evil, but they would also experience evil. And through their disobedience, just like Satan experienced it through his pride leading to his rebellion, they would experience uh, evil. And of course, that would ultimately lead to separation from God as it did with him. So he left that part out in omission of the truth, right? Uh, he, he's the master liar in addition to the, to the tempter that we know him to be. So what happens here? Um, let's read chapter 3, verses 6 and 7 of Genesis, and we'll continue with the story. Uh, so, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, uh, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband uh, with her, and he ate. And the eyes, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So I want to pick this apart a little bit more tonight because there's some fascinating things that apply to us today. Okay, but, but, but the tree, what, let's talk first about what Eve saw. Right? Eve saw that the tree was good for food. So she had a desire of the flesh, right? She saw that and it was like, hmm, that could be tasty. All the other trees are pretty good too. And maybe this one's nice. I don't know what kind of fruit it was, but, you know, she thought it would be interesting for her flesh to, to taste that. Uh, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. In other words, this is a pretty tree. This fruit looks pretty good. I mean, you know, there's certain things like, you know, Broccoli that doesn't look very good at all, but it's good for us. Um, but some fruits look delicious to us, right? They look like you want to eat them. Sometimes walking through the woods, you see pretty berries, and you think, oh, let's try that, man. Maybe you better not. You don't know what it is. And somehow what I don't understand is how did people start eating mushrooms? They, <laughs> they never look good to me, and yet some of them are wonderful. Um, but anyway, she saw this tree and said this was pleasant. So, the, so we have the desire of the flesh and the desire of the eyes. And, of course, it was desirable to make her wise, to pick one wise. So, so the pride of life, right? We see these things drawing her attention away. What's interesting is what Eve saw the, about this food wasn't necessarily what Satan had offered, that they would be more like God, that their eyes would be open. She didn't see that part at all. She was really focused on the fruit, uh, right? So, so, so she saw different things and was tempted. But, but the point is simply this, that, that Satan drew her attention away from the things of God 
onto something else. That, that, that's what he did. And, and, and here we have this couple. And, and, and notice that, that when Eve saw this, her eyes had not yet been opened. Their, their eyes were not opened until they ate. So she could see these things uh, and, and think about these things. And, and, but but they're, they're still, they had not disobeyed. They're still holy. They're sanctified. They're children of God. There's no sin. There's no death. The light of the life is in them, shining brightly in them. They're still walking perfectly and purely with God, even when Eve saw this. And, and, and that's important to us because here this couple who has never experienced evil, didn't even know what it was, uh, somehow the devil was able to bring their attention to it and they were drawn away. How, how is it that this perfect couple, this couple that was like God in so many ways, could be tempted and drawn away? They, 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 because because she, was, she, she took her eyes away from God and away from his command and away from the blessings and put her eyes on something that she should not have and that stirred up some desire in her flesh uh, and Adam with her and, and they, they, they ate. So, so let's see what happens when their eyes were open because this is before their eyes were open and then they ate. I'll read verse three, uh, six, chapter 3, 6 and 7 again. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then, verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So before they ate, before the sin, before the disobedience, they could, det- they could detect things uh, in, in the realm that God did not want them to live in. So, so they, were, they could be conscious of it, if you will. But, but they didn't abide there. They abode in the presence of God by living as spirit beings. But, but as soon as their eyes were opened, they knew something. Not just a head knowledge, oh, there's that. There's that fruit over there. I, you know, I shouldn't eat that. But once they ate it, they knew experientially it became part of them, this disobedience and this evil. And the first thing that they saw was that they were naked. And suddenly shame flooded in because they had stepped out of the presence of God and they now were not looking into the things of God, but they were looking into the things of the flesh and recognized their situation uh, was abhorrent to them. Uh, being naked, and so they wanted to cover that up. I think possibly that covering up of the nakedness wasn't just because of their nakedness, but it was because they wanted the shame to go away. Somehow they were trying to, to, to make themselves feel better, you know, by, by putting these coverings on. And it's probably symbolic, too, of how we talked a couple uh, messages ago about that veil over the heart, this covering over the spirit, uh, so that they could continue to walk after the flesh that they were now slaves to. So after this knowledge of evil, this experiential knowledge of evil and their fall, um, suddenly they were now walking after the flesh and not after the spirit. And uh, they covered themselves. And so, so the spirit of God, so what happened? What was the death? The spirit of God, part and parcel with the, the breath of life, uh, departed from them. That true light that was in them and is in all men, that true light departed. They still had the light of life in them uh, to live forever, but no longer did they have the, the godly element of that light in them. And, uh, and so, so, so because that light left, now they're living in spiritual darkness. Right? So they're, they're in spiritual darkness now. So a God who's holy and righteous can't abide in an unholy place, so he's gone. And apart from the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Adam and Eve became like filthy rags. The important lesson here that God really wanted to bring out to us is if this couple, holy and perfect, can be subject to temptation and fall, who do we think we are? 
where do we stand? How, how is it that we think, well, we've been saved, we said the prayer, we don't have to worry? Ooh, we have to worry. I don't mean from a fearful standpoint, we have dominion, we have the authority back, but we have to understand we cannot be deceived that evil is around us trying to draw us away. If this couple, so holy and beautiful and wonderful, we'll get to how we are in a few minutes. I hurry. <laughs> so so that's, a, that's a sobering message. It, it, it is. Okay. So, uh, so the first death we talked about is the life that's separated from and void of the Spirit of God. We know it wasn't there, the dying in the flesh, because God said in the day that you eat it, in that day, you will surely die. You will die, die. So we know that uh, Adam, who would live 930 years, his body uh, would ultimately go back to the earth uh, from whence it came. Uh, but he didn't die that day in his body. It's really not not a bodily death, it's a spiritual death in that day that they were separated from their created uh, creator. And, and, but they're still going to live forever. So this dying is not about you're not going to live anymore because they were created to live forever. Their spirit, being, and soul will still live forever. However, they will live forever apart from God because they've been separated from him. And that separation from God will cause, you know, as the disobedience brings in sin, and sin, therefore, death, and that first death separates them from God, awaiting the second death, which is that final judgment where we all would go into the lake of fire. Um, Unless, unless they can be reconciled back to God, and God, of course, had already slain the Lamb of God since the foundation of the world. So he already had a plan in place in which we could then be reintroduced to partake of the tree of life. So the first death, in summary of this, again, it's just I want to make sure you get it. In the beginning of the Bible, no longer living with God but separated from him, living according to the flesh and the soul, not according to the spirit. In fact, the spirit man is veiled, essentially unknown, unrecognizable. Uh, most people you ask today, do you have a spirit? Oh, I got the spirit of the patriots, or I, you know, whatever spirit of the holiday, whatever spirit they have. They don't recognize their three parts. You know, academia doesn't talk about three parts. We're all about mammals and DNA, right? They don't talk about the spirit. Uh, yeah, we have a mind and will emotions. They could acknowledge that, but the spirit man, woo! So it can be a little spooky for those who only walk in their intelligence. But we are spirit beings. Um, and uh, and so, so that spirit being and our soul will live forever. Right? So, so uh, we're no longer children of God. Rather, we're sons or children of disobedience. Right? Adam and Eve disobeyed. Now all of his offspring will be sons of disobedience. Right? Um, no longer servants of righteousness, but slaves to sin. And, uh, and no longer obedient to God, but subject to Satan. That's another one that nobody knows is out there unless you have been enlightened to the things of the Spirit. And of course, the second death, as we already talked about, is that lake of fire um, where between Genesis and Revelation, God does everything in his power, including giving his son to save us so we can avoid that ultimate judgment. But God in his righteousness will judge all living. Uh, and, uh, and if there's sin found in them, uh, they will be cast into the lake with the father of lies, uh, the devil. Okay, so that wages of sin is death and that has to be paid for by another. So, so that, that's, the, that's the, by and large what we talked about last time. Now we've got to see where we are today. So, so, so there's a first resurrection, if you will, that we can have a transformation of the spirit being. Um, so I want to talk about your salvation message, and, and, and we'll talk about it with regard to the spirit. And one of the things I hear a lot of when, when we have testimony tonight is, well, God delivered me uh, from, from, from drug abuse, or dr- God delivered me from financial ruin, or God restored my marriage. And these are wonderful things, and he does those things. But these are simply signs to point to a spiritual truth, that God 
resurrected you from the first death, and he saved you from the lake of fire. Far more everlasting impact than the things of the flesh that we have today. So it's, it's wonderful to tell people how God has helped you in these areas, but ultimately that message has to come around to the big picture, the long-term picture. Because otherwise someone's going to come and they might be sick and they didn't get healed and they go, well, I don't know why, I guess I'm not worthy, and they go away. And they miss that everlasting message of how important it is that that salvation is to be, met, uh, to be passed on, that testimony of this is the evidence this healing, this is the evidence, this financial deliverance of a greater truth that I'm going to live for God, forever with my God in heaven, and you can come too. So, so it's just important to know that uh, as we go into this story. Because the greatest gift is obviously John 3.16. What a great time of year to talk about this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Here, he's talking about everlasting life with him. We already have everlasting life, and this is where we miss it. We think, oh, we're going to die and be no more. No, all of us have everlasting life, but we're going to have everlasting life with him, the God kind of life, the Zoe kind of life, uh, and we will not perish in the lake of fire. This is the, the, the context of this phrase. And, uh, and so when Jesus came into the world, he came into a really dark place. Remember the light, the true light, left mankind uh, when they sinned? Uh, so Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9, verse 2, he said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So, and, and you guys know the gospel story. You know how we've become born again. We're, we're not going to go over a lot of that detail, but I want to start to settle in now on, on where we are today, you know, and how we walk this out. Because, because now, well, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's, des- let's describe who we are. Uh, first of all, who we are before Christ. So all of mankind, your neighbors, your family members, those who you were before Christ, this describes you. Born in the image and likeness of Adam and Eve. It's the law of Genesis that things reproduce after their own kind. The trees reproduced after their kind. The plants after their kind. The animals after their kind. And Adam and Eve reproduced after their kind. Uh, And so we, uh, nobody was born to Adam and Eve before the fall. So Cain and Abel were born after the fall. And so all all the descendants of Adam and Eve were born like this. Spiritually dead after the manner of the first death we just described, spirit beings with a soul, living in the bodies that they were born with, uh, but not, not aware of this truth, that they were spirit beings or are spirit beings. Spirit beings who will live forever, spirit and soul, but not aware of that truth. Spirit beings whose, whose life comes from the true light, but, but not aware of this truth either. Rather, they're living in darkness. Spirit beings subject to the whims of the prince of the power of the air, the prince of darkness. Not, not aware of that either. Uh, led by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Sometimes we can acknowledge that, you know, when we were in our fallen state. But not really realizing that there was an alternative. Right? Already dead in our trespasses and sins, and obviously we needed to be born again. That's everybody in the world today who's not a Christian. It's a sorry state of affairs, isn't it? And yet when you look at people celebrating all the things that they've done and all the things they've become and all the things they, they want to be, uh, thinking that's all there is, we, we, we see them this way, you know, in the spirit realm. Does, does that make sense? The reason I emphasize that is when you see somebody that's not saved, you have to see them and how they are in the spirit and your heart will break knowing you were like that, but you've gotten out and they can too. You can't simply look at them after the flesh. Look at that after the spirit in which they are. Right? So, so now we need to be resurrected from this first death and saved from the second death. And uh, so Jesus came offering the truth to restore us from the effects of the lie and reconcile us back to the Father. That's what Jesus did, right? So 2 Corinthians 5, 1, 9, that is that God, the Father, was in Christ, the Son, reconciling the world 
to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has also committed to us this uh, word of reconciliation. Okay, how does this work? How, what is this message? How, how, how do we let people see? Well, let's take a lesson from Adam and Eve. What did they see? So Adam and Eve could not see spiritual darkness. They, they just walked in the light until Satan was able to draw their attention to the lie. And then when they, they, they chose to eat of the fruit, they, they knew that they were naked. So now we have mankind living in darkness, and a veil is over their hearts that hinders them from seeing the spiritual truth that you may want to present to them. Until Jesus, or someone in the name of Jesus, draws their attention to the truth. Just like Satan in the name of evil, drew Adam and Eve's attention away from the truth. Now we can bring someone's attention to the truth. And we receive that by faith, and we take and eat until we know that we know him. Does that make sense? So it's important as we witness that we come to, to people recognizing that it's not our flowery words or, or our charismatic personalities or our humor uh, sarcasm, uh, sorry did I look at you, Pastor Chris, <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> um, but it's, it's no, it's, it's the Spirit of God who's in us that we want to draw their attention to, to consider. You're living in this situation, consider something else. And, and as they turn their heads from their fleshly desires and, and the pride of life and they look up, now they have the opportunity to grow and to be born again. The same way you you were born again, I'm sure. We all have different testimonies, but the same thing. Eventually, God chased us down. We heard enough, we heard enough. And finally, somewhere, somehow, we looked up spiritually and began to see. There's a great example in this in Luke chapter 24, uh, uh, 25 through 32. And this is the story of, the, of after Jesus was raised from the dead, or sorry, after Jesus was crucified, and the two men were walking down the road to Emmaus. And, and, and a stranger happened upon them, uh, and, and, and he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, have, how can you not know what's taking place in this area? And we'll pick up the, verse, the story in, in verse 25. And listen to the story, and then I'll pull out what I want to pull out. Uh, then he, now this, this is Jesus, but they did not know that at the time. He said, then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scripture to us? I love that story simply from the standpoint that, that, that these guys, when they were talking to this stranger and he was filling them with the truth of the scriptures, their, their hearts were on fire. They were like, this dude's got it. He knows what he's talking about. And they were thrilled from the inside out. Uh, they weren't going, man, yeah, yeah, I hope this guy leaves because he's weird. You know, no, <laughs> this guy had authority and, and uh, spoke the truth in it, and it filled them with, with, with this joy that was in their hearts. But look what happened. Jesus, Jesus, look, these guys were confused. Jesus was crucified. They thought he was going to be the deliverer. He's gone. Life's a mess. They're leaving to go home. Uh, you know, story is over. And so he brings them the truth. That's the darkness perspective. He brings them the truth right, from the scriptures. And so as they hear, in this case, they got to hear the word from the word, right? So they hear the word, and, and, and so faith comes by hearing, right? So the faith is built up. This ignites that lamp, that true light that's in them already, and so their hearts were burning because that faith was growing from the word that they were hearing. But their eyes were not yet opened. Just like Eve, when she looked at the fruit, she could see certain things, but her eyes were not yet opened until they reached out and took the bread that had been broken for them. 
And when they ate of that bread, suddenly they realized they knew who Jesus was. They recognized, they knew him. It wasn't just a head knowledge, maybe this guy is him. They knew him. It's interesting that Jesus vanished from their sight, their natural sight, so they couldn't see him anymore. But what they could see when their eyes were open, that Jesus was the Savior and that they had died for him. They saw who he really was. And, of course, that symbolic breaking of the bread points to the death and burial of Jesus on our behalf uh, so that we can be saved. And, of course, we know John eight twelve. He says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So this is that born-again process, so you need to be aware. You need to be speaking the truth in love and, and uh, being led by the Spirit as you speak because every message is going to be a little different to other people and all of us and our testimonies will be a little different. Uh, if, but, but, but recognize that what you're doing is drawing their attention out of what they know now and having them consider something else. And then when they recognize... Uh, they will know that what you're saying is true and they'll be saved. So now where we are in the last 15 minutes that we'll talk about is, is where we are as a new, create, a new creature. We're, born, we're talking about the born-again people now, the born-again believers, those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and are not destined for the lake of fire but are destined for the resurrection when he calls and the trumpet sounds. We will be raised with him and we will be like him. So in the garden, Adam and Eve were alive spiritually. They saw through the eyes of their spirit being. They were obedient unto righteousness, living in and with the true light, the life of men. But when they were banned from the garden, Adam and Eve were dead spiritually. Saw through the eyes of the flesh. They were slaves of sin, living in darkness apart from the true light. And all mankind is born into this condition. The born again uh, person into the kingdom of God, those of us who know Jesus. And by the way, uh, for anyone who has not asked Jesus to be your Lord, it's a free gift, and we can do that tonight at the end of service so that you can be one of these born-again believers and be sure that you know that you know you can take and partake of this, of this truth and have it sink into your spirit, man, uh, so that you, you are convinced and no one would take it away from you. We can pray with you tonight, I guess is my point. Um, we're happy to do that. But we'll do that at the end of the service. So, so where are we? So our eyes as born-again believers, the eyes of our spirit man are once again opened, right? Because we've been born again, we've partaken of the body and uh, blood of Christ in communion, and our eyes, our spiritual eyes, are once again open to follow him. And he intends for us to recognize his authority in our lives, and, and he has enabled us to walk again in the spirit and not after the flesh. We can abide in, dwell in the vine, in the true light, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we've been set, excuse me, set free uh, from the shackles of the flesh and of the sin. I, I mean, you know, when, <laughs> Saints, when we come in to worship and celebrate Jesus, if you just think about that, you could do it day and night for a week and never stop when you realize what God has done for you in the Spirit. And sometimes we drag our sorry backsides in here and, and we're tired and we we're, we're, we're just celebrate the fact we got here. It feels like that sometimes, but that's because we're looking at the flesh. But when you see yourselves after the Spirit, you will have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory and that truth will be contagious. You will draw someone's attention away from the sadness that they actually have and they will look for what you have. Okay, so, so, but the, the challenge we have is that our, the eyes of our flesh remain open as well. Because when we are born again, our spirit was made new, but our flesh is still the same as it was before. So the eyes of our flesh can still see the things it wants to do. So, so that's, that's, the, that's the yin and the yang, the pull, this, the tension that we have living in these bodies on this earth today because we were born into the first death. That flesh still wants to abide there. And while the spirit man has been renewed and we can now see into the spirit and see the truth. You with me? Everybody good? 
So, so, now, so now we have this, this uh, the flesh is at enmity with, with the spirit. The flesh prefers that darkness because it wants to avoid the shame that's now uh, visible again to it by the spirit who's enlightened us to these things, right? It wants not to acknowledge the authority of God. Um, and, um, and it doesn't know that it's a slave to sin leading to death, our flesh. But what, what really took place spiritually is this. When we are born again in him, we, when I say we now, I mean the nature of our spirit after the first death. So we were born to the first death. We still had a spirit being that would live forever, right? That nature of the old man, uh, that was crucified with Christ. So when we get into Christ, when we're in Christ, that old nature was crucified with him, put to death. Right? So, so, so that was also buried with, with him in baptism. And, and so that old nature is buried. And now the original or new nature of our spirit in Christ now comes alive in us because we were raised with Christ. So you can see the past tense that we talked about at the beginning of the message. Who died? Well, it's that, we, of course, we were already born into death, so it feels like we already were dead in our sins and trespasses, and we were. But now that old nature that was dead in sins and trespasses, that's who is crucified with Christ. That's who was nailed to the cross because it's sin. And that's who was um, buried with him in baptism and now makes room for that new nature to take, take birth in us, and we are now raised with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. But the flesh with its lusts and desires, uh, is still alive with its eyes open from the way Adam was when he had disobeyed. The spirit of that flesh is crucified. The nature of that flesh is dead. But the flesh itself is still alive and its eyes can still see. Uh, and so that's the, that's the challenge that we have. So when you think, of, and I'm going to read a variety of scriptures here, that if you think about it in that sense, I, I wanted to get a picture up, but I really couldn't, but... How many of you guys know the story of Dr. Doolittle and the animals that he could talk to the animals? And there was one of the, the most clever of the animals was a, was a push-me-pull-you. Remember that guy? So the push-me-pull-you was an animal that was one of the rarest in all the earth in the story. And, and he was the hardest to catch because it was a, 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 like a horse in its body, but it had two heads and not a tail. So while one was sleeping, the other would keep watch so they couldn't be caught. And then this one would sleep and this would. So that's the push-me-pull-you. So I was telling Debbie, it's like, it's kind of like where we feel like we are today. We're a, a, a spirit me flesh you, a spirit me flesh you. So when we use the eyes of the spirit, we, we follow after that and we follow after God and things are good. But when, the, when we get tired or weary or, 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 or turn, our, turn that down, uh, the eyes of the flesh wake up. Oh, let's go check this out over here. And suddenly we're back into the things we fall into. And that's what Paul talks about in the ends of Romans chapter 7. He's like, oh, what a wretched man that I am. And things I don't want to do, I do. And things I do want to do, I don't. Who can deliver me from this? Right? So, so when you see it in that sort of, sort of sense, and, and let me emphasize this, in the push me, pull you, they were sort of of equal weight and strength, I think. But in the spirit me, flesh you, the spirit reigns. The spirit reigns. He's, he, the, the flesh has no authority or dominion or ability. And in fact, we've been delivered from that. But the key to walking in it is knowing who we are in the spirit. Otherwise, you'll continue the way you were in the flesh. So we have to under, understand that we've been set free in the spirit, like I emphasized who Adam and Eve were when they walked in the garden before they fell. But be careful because you can still be pulled away. All right, let's look at these scriptures in this light, and then, and then we'll close. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 to 24. The lamp of the body is the eye. I'm talking about the eyes being opened. And if, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of the true light, the life of God. Right? But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How, does that make any sense? Well, what it means is that light that is the life of God that was put in us when we were created and lives forever, if it is filled with darkness, that light is very, very dark and destined for the lake of fire. That make sense? But if your light is good because you're focused on the Spirit, you're focused on God, uh, how good is that? You'll be filled with the things uh, of the true light. 
And verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the, the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And you cannot serve spirit and flesh. You can't be that, that push me, pull you, or spirit me, flesh you. You have to choose to serve God. Romans eight twelve through 14. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And he's speaking to the church, born-again believers. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And here's the key. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also reap. For if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh reaps corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Again, a letter to the church, the believers. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 are, are key Note scripture for this series. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden now in Christ, with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. And here's one that, that always shakes me to the core, and I know I know Debbie feels the same. Revelation 3.16, a letter to the church. Um, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What is he saying? You either need to be, I wish you were either hot for the Spirit or totally cold and know it. Then this lukewarm thing where you call yourself a Christian, but you walk like a, like a common man. That's not what he wants. He wants us to be like him. So the key here is to recognize that your old nature, who was dead from the first death, is now dead in Christ. We have to grasp that aspect and that your new nature as a child of God has been raised in Christ and that you've always been a spirit being who will live forever formerly slaves of sin and the lust of the flesh and destined for the second death, but now delivered, translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love and the kingdom of light. Um, and, uh, and so as God prayed in Colossians chapter 1, we'll, we'll close the series here. Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and receive this prayer for ourselves. Paul says to the church, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for this word. Father, we pray that we take arms against the desires of the flesh, not by our will, but by your spirit. <laughs> that by following after you and your spirit, by obeying you fully, by pursuing you, by seeking you in every turn, by being aware of your presence in us and through us and your desire and will for us on this earth. Father, we pray that we can be pleasing to you in this area, submitting to you in all things, walking as your children, as spirit beings in these bodies in which you have given us. We pray, Lord, that the old man we now know to be crucified and dead and buried, we pray that you continue to help us to take up our cross daily, to crucify our flesh and to follow after the spirit. And that when our eyes are drawn away to the things that are against you, that we take those thoughts captive in the obedience of Christ. 
and that we live as you called us to live as your children, sons and daughters, giving you glory and accomplishing your will, being fruitful and multiplying on the earth and subduing it from the works of darkness. Thank you, Father, that you would stir us up in these things and help us to walk them out. For we, apart from you, can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. And help us to see one another after your, after your spirit as well and not after how any of us have behaved or appear after the flesh. Lord, we are your body on the earth filled with the fullness of you. Help us to to honor that truth and to walk it out. We give you thanks for steering us in the right direction, correcting us where we needed it, encouraging us where we needed it, and opening our eyes. Opening our eyes that we know, that we know that we know who we are in you. And armed with that knowledge, the old man, the old spirit, the old nature, who is crucified with you has no, no life. In Jesus' name. Amen.